Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golf.com podcast. I'm your host, Sean Zock. You may have heard that the last 50 years worth of final round broadcasts from the Masters are now available on YouTube. They're all available on the Masters YouTube channel. It's an incredible trove of content. It's an incredible exhibit of golf history, and it's all available for free. So as content pursuers here at Golf.com, we're going to try to make the most of that. And by we, I mean myself and the three others in the room here. That's Alan Bastable, Jeff Ritter, and Dylan DeChair. And by make the most of it, I mean we're going to talk about a particular Masters in great depth. In an ode to the Rewatchables podcast by The Ringer, we are rewatching the 1968 Masters. That's as far back in this trove of content that you can go. 50 years ago, first question for all of you, does this Masters broadcast present possibly the most entertaining 15 minutes in non-course Masters broadcast history? I'll take that one. Yeah. So I think what's incredible about going this far back, there are certain moments right in golf history that you kind of have heard about and uh, and read about and have been written about, but you've never seen them on screen. Yeah. I mean, going back, you know, this is all kinds of moments. This I is mean, an old, old, old. Yeah. 60, so you sort of assumed... You know, I didn't think I'd ever witness uh, the '68 Masters and how it unfolded. In particular, obviously the the dramatic finish, which we'll unpack here in a little bit. But um, you know, Sarazen's double eagle or or Francis Wilmette winning the the 1913 U.S. Open. These are moments you just never see. Yeah, I and I sort of I would have thrown the '68 uh, Masters and uh, into that category. And then just uh, all of a sudden, this little present arrived. Yeah. And, I didn't uh, even know what the 68 Masters was famous for. Like, I think a lot of these Masters tournaments, when you have so many of them, they blend together a little bit. Like, you're not sure how the 68 would be different from the 69, which would be different from the 70. The further back you go, would you agree with that? Well, I don't, I don't know. I think I think golfers, golf fans know the story of Divas yeah. Senzo and what yeah. happened, but maybe they didn't know right off the bat. Oh, that was sixty-eight. Mm-hmm. That's and, what and I'm trying to know, to. and maybe they don't know the name Bob Golby. Maybe they know, you know, Senzo first. So, uh, the chance to go back and relive how that afternoon unfolded and how the tournament handled it uh, on live television, like like Alan said, it's it's a unique experience and one that I don't think we ever really thought we'd have, and it it reveals so much about that day that uh, we never knew before. I'll say that Bob Golby is not a name that I was familiar with. No. Uh, DiVincenzo for sure. I knew who that was, but so I guess that's the point here is that this particular Masters was lost and not necessarily won distinctly. Um, there are a lot of important details that we're going to get to. This broadcast is such a wrinkle in time that we need to we need to start with that. It's like the setting of this broadcast. We're talking 50 years ago. That in itself tells you a lot about what's going on. But first things first. It opens with the most dramatic intro music, and, and and so starkly different from what the intro music is today. CBS Television Sports presents live and in color from the Augusta National Golf Club. Which is saying a lot, given some of Nance's yeah, intros like, in recent years. That it, this is that much more dramatic. It's like Hollywood orchestra from like the yeah. '40s type of dramatic. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's like a Casablanca or something. Yeah, you know, like or Citizen Kane. It it's almost more That's ominous. What it is. There's like this ominous feeling, like <laughs> you're watching a horror movie from 
the 1930s, Perfect or it's like way. a like propaganda, like a World War II propaganda film. It's crazy, the music and just just the one scene at the clubhouse. It feels eerie. You're yeah. like something, like something film. bad is gonna happen. Yeah, the Twilight Zone type of feel. I, I like it. I don't know. I, I oh, the it, weird, the the strange shot off the balcony of the clubhouse yeah. through the old oak tree. Just maybe you catch a little piece of the first fairway and not much else. I don't know. I think the Masters with the the way they honor tradition of their tournament. I would be okay if they just rolled this theme song out Do it one, again. once a broadcast. Oh. Give it to me one time a year. Like, you know, maybe it's like a tradition. We hit the back nine on Sunday and we're going to come back for commercial break and play this. I just want to hear it once. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I cannot imagine what it would be like to live 50 years ago, but I know that if 16 year old Sean was 16 years old in 1968, he would be absolutely hyped at this intro, like coming onto my screen for 75 minutes, the tournament that is like, you know, thousands of miles away and this entity that is untouchable. Now it's in my, my, on my TV screen. I mean, Alan said it's a propaganda film or looks like a propaganda film. It is a propaganda film. For the it's, rules of golf? Especially then for Augusta National. Uh, I mean, every Masters broadcast since then has been also, but, you know, at this point in time, they could be that much more reverential and... Uh, really dramatize every moment especially because they're picking it up with you know a few holes to play on Sunday yeah I want to continue with the setting and the important details here uh, for this particular Masters we've got Gary Player in the final pairing he's the 54 hole leader that's noteworthy one of the legends of the game one of the legends of Augusta and then a bunch of other dudes that are vying to make history like the Lee Westwoods of the 1960s really like names that maybe you've heard of but you don't know their whole story uh, one thing that sticks out to me, though, from the jump is just this feels so similar. What you see there feels so similar to what we're going to see in a week at, at Augusta National. The patrons, they sit in the same spots. Their roars were pretty impressive on this broadcast. Uh, it just it feels like the exact same place. That the tradition, that's where it started. That's why it's so striking. The little differences and intricacies and, and what was so different then is so striking because it's a place we know so well now just from watching it every single year. We know the different views, but even some of the camera angles are the same yeah, uh, 50 crazy. years later. Uh, or maybe so, not crazy. That, but you do hear the, the sort of the echo through the pines. You still get some of that. No even, birds, though. No, I, no I, I disagree. Birds. I, did, I knew you pointed that out earlier in the week. There were a couple of clips where you heard a little tweet, oh, tweet, tweet. really? But, but the golf course itself – is you can tell the fairways are shaggier. It's hard to tell. The contrasts are tough with the black and white. No doubt the share, the fairways um, yeah. you know, are an inch or two longer. The, the sort of scraggy edges of the bunkers. Um, even the, the greens are different shapes. 16 is really noticeable. It's definitely more like sort of pinched. Yeah. It's also worth noting that it, 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 on the YouTube page, it says that the original broadcast was in color. We just get the, the black and white version. Yeah, that's interesting. Because they, they say that in the intro, brought to you in color, and it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's well, in it's black not. and white. <laughs> and the other thing is 18 down the left. Am I colorblind it's, now? It's like wide open. It's wide open. It's a, it's a much less threatening tee shot. Which didn't make things any easier for Bob Goldberg. So you, we'll heard, get to you that. heard birds on this broadcast? There are a couple. Dang it. There are a couple. I thought that that was just a you know, yeah. nice It's funny watching the, theory diffused. the putts are that much slower also. So yeah. they happen yeah. actually more quickly because there's less time of That's the ball true. just sort of trickling along. That's true. So the putts, it just happens. You know? Some of their like 35-foot no putts doubt. are like flying and then they just stop. Yeah. They get there and they just slam on the, on the brakes and that's it, especially uphill. Yeah. yeah. Goldie Hole one from back of 14, which is like normally so treacherous. He's, 
he putted from off the green, made a birdie from probably like 15 feet. I believe the but line it, was a Texas wedge from off Texas, the edge. Texas. He's going to use the Texas wedge from off the edge. Yes, he's just uh, only about 20. Awesome. 25. Yeah, but it was slow. Like that putt, you, I mean, you put that off the green today. He's yeah. Only... Before we get to, to Golby and uh, DiVincenzo in particular, a couple other guys that are worth talking about are the former Masters champions that are part of the broadcast. Yes. You've got there, – there's so much to talk about there. But for one, Kerry Middlecoff, who is referenced as Dr. Kerry Middlecoff because he was a dentist, um, he's the 55 champion. And he's in this studio – in front of this diorama, which is like the kind of thing that you see in museums that you can like, you know, it's like uh, built to like exact dimensions, but shrunk down. And he's providing analysis. It was way ahead that of his time. That was the, I think, we, we witnessed the original Pro Tracer. Yes. Right? Because he's got, he's got, these I, little don't, white... I don't know what that is. Is that string <laughs> or string? like some yeah. toothpaste? That like, uh... toothpaste. But, but they were like able to produce that, stick it on this diorama make it look decent in yeah. in minutes time like that that was freaking impressive okay. it's cool oh yeah they cut to him oh my god this was one of the, my favorite moments of the whole broadcast was they cut to dr carrie middlecoff and <laughs> he's in there like some evil mastermind just yeah. looking over the domain of augusta it reminded me of the game of thrones intro where they're mm. kind of panning across from you know the 15th hole and here's golby's drive and Oh, my, that was just my favorite part, Doctor. Either Kerry. that or like the Truman Show, and we're all just part of this big yeah, con. That's good. Appreciating golf brilliance, but not only is Kerry Middlecoff part of the broadcast in a significant way, but so is Byron Nelson, providing that was analysis out of nowhere. for a hot minute. Yeah, I mean, what was he on for eight seconds? He was in very short spurts. Oh, I just heard him once. He was on a couple times. They brought yeah. him back when uh, who was it? Golby was hitting on the sixteenth. Green, uh, yeah. Off the 16th tee, and yeah. they, they asked Byron what he would do, and he said, "Oh yeah, I'd hit it right up the middle of the green." Yeah, that was it. yeah. <laughs> that's true. Here's your check. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> you can go home now. His par three. He's like, "Should he go for it here?" Uh, you know, go right, right at it. He's like, "Yeah, just right in the middle of the green. Just go right for it." It was cool to hear. And that's uh, it. It was cool to hear Henry Longhurst. He's a name you hear a lot about from back in the day. A guy who you know, British commentator, kind of minimalist, didn't say much. He was, I think, at 16. That was cool to hear his voice. You sort of read a lot about him and, mm. uh, to hear him calling. Well, I mean, another another fun. voice, Pat Summerall, is yeah. yep. leading the show, right? He's, Crazy. He's calling yeah, the show. it in and out. Yeah, That's, it was cool. I mean, all these names for anyone who is a golf historian, I mean, that's why you just have to, you just have to put in time and watch these things. But we can continue to move on. Um, when you just look at the names on the leaderboard, some of them stand out, others maybe not so much. You've got Gary Player, obviously, uh, Bruce Devlin, was playing with player, I believe. Um, Bert Yancey, Ray Floyd, obviously Roberto DiVincenzo, and Bob Goldby. These are the kind of characters that are all over the broadcast. Um, let's start with Gary Player. There won't be a ton to say about him, but one note that I sent to you guys is he's wearing a black top with no collar, black pants, white shoes, these pearly white shoes. He looks like a sex icon, and that's my opinion. He looks, <laughs> he looks like Elvis. Gary would love to. It's made for TV. With the, the hair TV. and everything. There's something about the big three, right? The TV, uh, the TV cameras love those guys. Yeah. That was that was definitely the case back then. Also, noteworthy, not on the broadcast, but still making a Sunday run. Jack Nicholas, of course, never appeared on TV. Backdoor top ten, never showed him. Never. I don't believe they even mention him. 
They showed just his final I shot. They showed him chipping on 18, and he yeah, lips out his chip on 18 from, like, all, long he's left. He's pissed yeah. off about it, too. But when I saw Gary Player come on, I, like, gasped out loud because he's he's wearing this, like, he looks like when Tiger went on the Jimmy Fallon show with that oh, yeah. T-shirt that was, like, three <laughs> sizes too small. Yes. And this Gary was Player's Gary yoked. Player totally before his time. Tiger wore a collarless red shirt in 2004, and everyone freaked out, but... There yeah. were a bunch of guys actually wearing like little no doubt. mock turtlenecks and I think you Colby could Colby one in a white yeah. mock, like turtleneck short sleeve <laughs> turtleneck and that oh, flat that top awesome. you could put a tray of drinks on his head and they wouldn't fall off <laughs> but what's awesome is seeing these guys you know that long ago you know he still got the crouched over putting stroke and and jack swing is it's everything's the same nothing's changed it's just 50 years ago I think uh I think DiVincenzo's like his his trailing leg in his putting stroke was like bent in, like his knees were almost pointed together, essentially a knee knocker. But like it looked really, really weird. All the putting strokes, the idiosyncrasies in the putting strokes are just so much wilder than they are now. There's no yeah. like thought of efficiency. It looks like all these guys have, they're just like duct taping together like fixes to various problems they've had throughout the years <laughs> putting and yeah. And this is what they've like ended up with, but the I hinge. thought that was hilarious. A lot of just hinge strokes, wrist mm. breakdown in the backswing and on the follow through. Yeah. I guess it, I guess maybe when the greens are stimping at like uh, I don't know seven or something, maybe that's the stroke that makes yet, sense for the time. But the scores, what they, uh, I believe, Golby wins at eleven under. Like this is, I know things change over time, but the score is essentially the same at Augusta National fifty years later. I mean, who won? Uh, yeah. Sergio won last yards year at shorter, nine under. But yeah. So well, don't give away the ending there, yeah, yet, Sean, because this was dramatic. Just coming <laughs> there when they came onto air. Oh my God, it was intense. Yeah, they, that, that's cool too. Though. You're just suddenly on the 15th green. Boom! In the you know, it's like it's kind of nice. It's like now you got to sit through like seven hours before you get to the good stuff. Seven days, yeah. Seven. Oh yeah. But on they, the just, range they just throw Monday. you right in there. Uh, one one last little note that is my personal obsession is that these guys are smoking on Augusta National, like, while reading putts. Just smoking cigs, reading a putt on the 18th green. Like, that is, I know it's another time and another place, but that is just amazing to me. Like, um, can you imagine well, someone smoking on the back nine? On yes. hell. On hell Cabrera, Cabrera. Master's don't, champion. Don't you remember him? And Oakmont in particular. Remember him yeah, coming down the stretch? I mean, I guess You I, went through, like, two packs on I the back I, nine. <laughs> I was, like, 14 years They're old. They're just a little more careful about showing it now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't know. On hell didn't flick the cigarette butts and the azaleas like those guys might have. He may have. They just, they just cut it out of the telecast. <laughs> just, I just, well, I also watched, you know, numerous of these other broadcasts, as you guys have, and one of them in particular, Roger Mulby, is just like got this fume of smoke just arising from him on the 13th green. And I'm just like, that is a shot I've never really imagined before. Actually, in 68, surprising, like everybody wasn't lighting up on the back nine, Yeah, right? I mean, smoking was pretty much par for the course, so to speak. That's just, it's just amazing to me. I mean, you think about Fred Ridley going out there and tapping on, I don't know, Ricky Fowler's shoulder. <laughs> Ricky, come on, stop stop smoking out here. Uh, I don't want to assume that anything about, about Ricky Fowler or Fred Ridley, but it just it's a, it's a different time and a different place. Um, also, possibly too obvious about this setting here is that the players were white and the caddies were black, and that was seven years still before Lee Elder became the first black golfer to play in the Masters. It's just... That's context that needs to be taken into account when you're watching the 68 Masters, in my opinion. 
For sure, especially yeah, with the whole scene after you know everyone is, is such a gentleman, but obviously there's this, uh, I don't know, undertone. You would, I mean, you would never know it from watching the broadcast, but we have that context now yeah. to recognize that, you know, things weren't as perfect as they seemed at Olagesta. No, for a long time. Uh, now moving towards at least the end, you get, you get a lot of shots of 18 on this broadcast um, and players walking off of the green on 18. Did you guys catch? how the green jackets were escorting them like arm and arm, arm, arm like arm and arm some of some of the players each arm had a green jacket like linked with it like kind of like pushing them in the right direction it just there's a little bit of that today a really still. weird vibe got to get got to get the guys through the crowds you know it's yeah. a little bit the crowds loose and you know just kind of gathered behind the green and that's i, I don't know Pinkerton so, security, they're there to help and so maybe keep the order as, and keep things you know, moving. Maybe not as weird as I think it is. Yeah, it didn't strike me as that unusual. But they, I love the little table by the 18th green where the scoring, oh, yeah. scoring areas was, was outside sitting, like sort of just watching the last groups come through. Yeah. That you don't see that today, obviously. Uh, important information about this one it's Steven Senzo's birthday. Yeah. Which is like impractically so perfect. <laughs> it, so brutal. So brutal, obviously. Um, and he he finishes up 18, and Alan says he goes to the scorer's area, which is outside, just steps off the 18th green. And then you get a lot of shots of him sitting in a chair, sitting in one of those lawn chairs, and like... More foreshadowing. Chill, right? Like, yeah, just chilling as yeah. hard as he can. Like, his leg is up, <laughs> his leg is up on one of the arms of the lawn chair, and he, <laughs> he's just like, hanging out watching golf, and it's like... Thinking you he might have just won the Masters. Can yeah. you imagine? Thinking about how he's going to spend that $40,000 first place check. Ricky Fowler <laughs> gets in the yeah. in the clubhouse this year, and he's got the lead, and he's just hanging out, leg up on the chair. Like People would be vilified for that. I want to go back still, though, to just how he got there because it does happen in real time. Now it pretty much happens in real time, but it's much more like manufactured. You know, You know if they cut to someone that's a few shots off the lead, it's because that's Something's already coming. recorded yeah. and, you know, they're about to make this 40-foot putt or whatever. That's a great point. There's none of that here. And the incredible moment was... Split screen. They're both putting split screen. Golby has his eagle putt on 15 and it's happening. Literally, they're making contact with the ball at, like, almost the same time. Golby's putting for eagle on 15 and uh, DiVincenzo is putting for birdie on 17, both to get to 12 under. One goes in, then the other goes in, and like, like the at roars the exact happen. Same time. Yeah, and they would never do that today. No, they'd put it on yeah, delay, so you could see time. it ten seconds later. But you hear, you right. hear one, yeah. and they'd say, "Yo, you, you know, you heard that roar a minute yeah, ago. Yeah, here yeah, here yeah, it yeah. is." But to actually have it just split. I was shocked they had that capability cool. when I saw that. Incredible. You know? Like it's one thing to have the '60s grade shot tracer, but the split <laughs> screen was yeah was very impressive. surprising. And yeah, like without any flaws or anything. Yeah. So. At this point, we're waiting for Golby to finish, uh, and, and I think it, it isn't that exciting, like, actually at the end. But one thing they keep talking about is the Monday playoff. At this point in Masters history, there was a Monday playoff of, it was going to be 18 holes, and it's very, very different than what they have today, but they kept talking about it, and <laughs> they kept talking about it and referencing it, like, we will be back tomorrow, and eventually you get to this point in it's a hundred or it's a it's an hour and four minutes in where Bruce Devlin is finishing out on 18 and he he puts out and the broadcaster says 
Be sure to stay Make with sure us. Make sure you stay with us. There is a possibility we might have something, something of great importance. <laughs> yeah. and, and since we have all the context, it just made me smile. But, I mean, I have no idea what, how I would have reacted if I was watching from home. Might be one of the great live broadcast teases in history. Got to watch the next 49 uh, broadcast to make sure. But uh, yeah, that, that's that true. was really... You had these meaningless yeah. groups coming through at the end, right? Yep. And it definitely kept you watching. Yeah. And but. so it's super ominous. But the next thing you see is, is this butler cabin moment in time. And Alan, I think you have done your best job impersonating <laughs> Clifford Roberts and John Winters. Well, no, so, well, thank you. But no, the the I have a new favorite part because I've watched this, I've watched this now like four times. And uh, so Bobby Jones pulls a sickie, right? He's not there. Yeah, he's supposed to be there. Okay. And then that's I didn't what know I was what like, his deal was. Yeah, no, that's what uh, Cliff Roberts says. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mr. Jones not feeling well today. Unfortunately, couldn't be here. Yeah. So now you got to wonder: Did he just not want to face the music and have oh. to tell Divincenzo oh. what happened? So they haul in. I like that. This other member who's who who kind of stumbles his way through it because he clearly <laughs> does not want to have to break the news. He's kind of <clears throat> coughing and yeah. You know, he's he's dancing wait, around wait, wait, it. Wait, wait. I gotta stop you. It, it begins. The Butler Cab interview begins with Frank Gifford. The reporter. Oh, that's Gifford. Um, that's Gifford. Wow. Looks like he's 19. Yeah. Introducing Cliff Roberts from like two feet behind him. <laughs> Cliff yeah. Totally surprising Cliff Roberts. Yeah. Roberts yeah. Is, is seated in his chair staring at the camera and then he gets introduced and he kind of like looks back and he's like, oh, well, all right. Uh, and he, he t- talks about Bobby Jones not being around and then introduces John Winters who is a very different person. He also takes a little jab at DiVincenzo, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's a little disoriented, I think, of just how the, you know he's gotten this information. But he kind of says, well, Roberto's on his way, or he's not here yet. Where, yeah. I don't know the exact words he used, but you could tell he was a little flustered. And he asks like, someone can off give, screen, can we maybe give Robert, Can we give Roberto a break, possibly? Maybe, maybe he needs another minute to come in after just getting this, the worst news of his of life. Of his entire <laughs> life. It's crazy. And he's he called po- out on national television. You got poor it. Vinnie Giles sitting there. Yeah. He doesn't know the what. The low am. He, he's like, get me the hell out of here as soon as possible. And, he, you know, he, he, he literally looks like he's like 16. Yeah. Just petrified. And the first question goes to him. So you, sh- you he, they kind of introduce, you know there's a problem. Yeah. You know DiVincenzo lost a Masters in an unthinkable manner. And the first question goes to Vinnie Giles about what it's like playing the Masters <laughs> I wonder if as, he a, knew. as an amateur. I wonder if he knew. Well, you know he knew because they had already explained what had happened at okay. that point. But he, but he um, didn't ask questions about yeah, it. Take no. us through that no, explanation, no. though, because that is the climax of this whole thing. Winters yeah. Yeah. taking us through what the two big things are. And I know, Alan, this was your favorite part. <laughs> Alan, like a Rachel Alan, Maddow. Alan has mimicked piece. this multiple times in the office. No, I'm, I, I'm not going to do the do the voice. But but yeah, so there's yeah he 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 says it, you know there's, there's two remarkable things about this Masters tournament. <laughs> first, first it, on the on day third day's play, there were eleven very fine players who were within three strokes of each other. Therefore. Uh, uh, any good player who got it going could be the winner. <coughs> the second unusual uh, thing. Oh, and secondly, <laughs> uh, Roberto, <laughs> sorry, you signed an incorrect scorecard. You just lost the Masters, Bob. Congratulations. It's insane. 
And then, and then it kicks to, to Vinnie Giles. To Vinnie Giles. It, it's just the, the whole sequence. his memorable moments of the yeah, week. It's a very long interview. Sequencing is amazing. <laughs> that's, I mean, talk about so burying the lead. It's yeah. like, yeah, the first yeah. big thing about this was what happened yesterday. <laughs> and the second is... <laughs> Roberto, you're out. Yeah, yeah. Um, they nice. remind they remind Divincenzo that it's his birthday in that interview. They're like, yeah. and besides this, you know, it sucks because <laughs> it's your birthday. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, I mean, just they they continue to remind. They go to him. Like, why does he have to be there? Why does he have to be answer? Like, you know, they wouldn't do that today. The most awkward moment we've had in the last twenty years of the Masters is when Spieth had to put the green jacket on Willet, and that felt incredibly awkward i cannot imagine what it had been like for defensendo to be sitting in there also with the first question they ask that john winters asked defensendo is not, <laughs> what are you gonna remember yeah he still is just <laughs> unable to break off the script that he was probably given and just asked him so what what were some of your memorable shots from the week yeah how is how yeah. how he got through that without saying well I'll always remember the birdie i had on 17. <laughs> I'd like to remind everybody it was a birdie. Oh, you know, yeah. He graciously says, yeah. oh, my shot on one and on 18. On 18. There's oh no way God, there was a God. script. I'm, I'm convinced Winters just got hauled in there. They're like, he was he was the, the first available green coat. Like, John, we need you to fill in for uh, Bobby. Yeah. He's not feeling well. Uh, and by the way, this happened. I mean, Get the, your way through this. The crazy thing is he holed out for Eagle on number one. He got off to his hottest start as probably anyone ever. Yeah. DiVicenzo starts Eagle birdie birdie in this round. Holds yeah. out. And plays a great round. He comes to the 18th tee. If he birdies 18, he shoots 63 mm-hmm. to win. Course record. Instead, Anytime. from the fairway, he just hits this awful like <laughs> smother hook pull way long. And, and putts he it. puts it from like 20 yards off the green. From the deep in the deep in the gallery. And they have the announcers clearly have no idea, but all of a sudden the ball comes kind of trundling up onto the on and the like, ground. Oh, he putted it. They're like, sure enough, he putted it. <laughs> Oh, and, and the cruelest irony is he stuffed it on 17. They said he hit the best shot of the day to four feet, and that's the score he screws up. Like yeah. How, you know, it's just it's so painful. Yeah, it every, is. Every part of it. Uh, one thing that if anyone's listening to this, having not watched it yet, that you need to know is or you need to see is the facial expressions going on in that room because obviously they pan to DiVincenzo and he looks like his dog just died, and probably even worse. Like he killed his dog by accident or something ridiculous. Like his face is maybe what you would expect, but then Golby is lo- Golby, losing his mind. Golby, Golby looks like a ghost passed through his body. Yeah, it's, I've never yeah. seen anybody look like that on TV. He like bows ever, his in head, color or black and white. Yeah, I've never seen it. Bows his head, puts like his his thumb and his his finger like at his eyes, like he's gonna start crying. And he just stays there for like thirty seconds. Yeah, it's. I'm, but he's so he's so goddamn gracious. Yeah, Givicenzo. I mean, yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, he's. I mean, everyone obviously harps on the "what a stupid I am" quote, but <laughs> you know, he, he spoke for a couple of minutes and he's thanking the tournament. He's he's saying Goldie put pressure on him because yeah. he played so well that that you know he wasn't paying he attention to what he was fault. to what he was doing <laughs> with his scorecard. But Gosh. I mean. You know, to, he showed he showed a lot of class for sure in that moment. Well, and even then to say like he's never he doesn't think he's ever going to be so close again oh, too. So sad. That was so sad. I actually remember Kenny Perry said that a few years ago when he was kind of in contention. Oh no! Nice. Like that was pretty much it for me. 
I remember Sergio Garcia man. saying something along those lines. Yeah, it worked out right for him. Out. Well, yeah, but Kenny, he did. He Kenny missed a cut the next so two years. He did get another top ten, but he oh, he, he played in six more. Missed the cut three times, but yeah, obviously never contended again. So I'm really right. glad that he won that British Open the year prior, 67, because, I mean, if that's as close as you would ever get to winning a major, I mean, I guess you could kind of fall back on the British Open. But that, but that but, was pretty much it for Roberto. But I mean, that was yeah, like, if you win the British and the Masters, I mean, it, you're probably a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame or not. I can check that out. One thing, though, when Golby's getting interviewed he says you know this isn't really the way you want to win oh he's a he is a hall of fame a tournament like that uh you know this isn't really how it should go down and everyone really just immediately agrees with him should be you know it feels like a thing where everyone pretends that oh you are the rightful winner you really deserve this everyone's like yeah no you're right (laughs) this this really is unfortunate we're regretful of it uh so it's a it's a really tough way for golby to be the winner yeah, Cliff Roberts said at one point, "We're we're gonna get to work after this and yeah. try to find a way to make you both the winners." Which I don't know how that project progressed, but I don't he, think he, it really got done. I don't know. Pretty sure he didn't get a green jacket. <laughs> no, it's a nice thing to say though. Not taking anything away from Bob, but let's make him the co-winner. Yeah, he said a couple of things. I wrote them down. He said, "In our heart of hearts, there always be two champions," <laughs> but. You're just not going to be one of them, essentially. And then he said another thing. Uh, he said, you know, Bob Jones told me, uh, he was a big fan of yours, and he told me to tell you in specific, if you won, congratulations. But yeah. you didn't win. <laughs> like, all these little remem- like Yeah, he all thought these- you were going to win when he talked to me, and then, uh, well. Which makes me think, salt on the wound. which makes me think, like, maybe Bobby Jones, like your theory about him not wanting to, to face the facts. Yeah. He that might be there might be some truth to that. Yeah, it's uh, it's just brutal. But you know, in retrospect, he is a hell of a lot more famous than Bob Golby because, that, that's because of what happened. True. You know, if he did win that year, just would have been another kind of one-off Masters champion. And now he's you know you think in some ways a much richer part of Masters lore. Oh. Um, you know he. Did we ever explain to people that might not know this story, like, why he didn't win? It's true. We're making certain parts of this pretty inside <laughs> baseball for really? only people that have watched this broadcast. So that, that birdie that we had alluded to on 17, which happened at the exact same time as Golby making an eagle on 15, uh, that would have been a birdie three, and DiVincenzo on his scorecard wrote four, which means par, and according to the rules of golf, the scorecard that you... S- hand in uh, is the scorecard that will define your score and regardless of if it's wrong or not so he had to take his score which is Bonkers. which is it's, I think there's a little la- extra layer of sadness when you make a better score than you put down like if you right. if, if you actually made birdie and you just for, like weren't able to give yourself a birdie by accident it's like you actually did win. It's not that you that you filled out a scorecard that was incorrectly beneficial for you. Right. Because he if he had made four and put three, he would have been DQ'd, but you can yeah. if you put a higher score, then that's just yours. Just on you. But that'd be how much worse would that have been if it was a four for three or five for four, you know? Then and it would have looked, looked like, like he, was he looked cheating. like he was yeah. trying yeah, at least <laughs> it comes off looking all right. Uh, but kudos to Augusta for sticking to the rules of golf. Do we have to say that? No. No. I don't think so. I mean, what are the, you know, 
They clearly well, didn't like it. They're like, ah, oh, this sucks, oh, they man. Hated, they, hated <laughs> they did hate it. To, in their credit, they, to their credit, they did definitely hate it. And it said they brought, it brought great distress to Mr. Winters. <laughs> can you can you imagine this playing out in 2018? Oh my like god! How social media would react to this scenario? Oh. I mean, it would be just bonkers. So like the DJ Oakmont deal. Yeah, but, but I mean, way worse. Yeah, way worse. Without it's, anyone to blame. Except the guy who signed the incorrect score. It's card. actually, I mean, take nothing away from today's golfers, but the way those two handled it, it was so, it was so gracious, Ugh. so perfect, and maybe even more, maybe even stood out more by the fact that obviously Roberts and Winters were having a hard time. I mean, they they prepped that their leading questions were just off the mark, but the guys just took it and said what they needed to say, and they were just so eloquent. And in that moment, I was just really impressed by those guys. Hard to imagine, mm-hmm. like, the broad, the broadcast angle. I guess the one thing that's really obviously picked up is we have very smooth pros in the booth yeah. now in these moments. And you can't imagine, like, that part of it being as awkward. Like what would the play? How would the play? It would really fall. The pressure would fall back on the players to try to rise to that occasion if something like this happened. Mm-hmm. Whereas back then, it was like the broadcasters gave the gave those guys nothing to work with, and they still <laughs> it's true. They still gave a great you know post round interview. Imagine like Poulter or Patrick Reed or somebody in that <laughs> in that spot just having yeah. to sit there for like six minutes before they're even asked about it. I'm just picturing someone in the players' parking lot just you know tearing up their courtesy car with the seven iron or something. But it is true that. I think now the discussion would much more be, you know, this rule is stupid. Why should yeah. players have to keep their own score? Why would this? Yeah, that's me, true. Why would this change the outcome of the Masters, the game's biggest event? But there's none of that. It's like, you know, these are the rules. We stick to the rules. I mean, people loved rules in 1968 <laughs> yeah. in the game of golf at Augusta even more than golf does now, for sure. This will be your, uh, only now. It took nearly 50 years for scorecard yeah. rulings, you know, for that rule to be rewritten in any kind of meaningful way. So, Jeez. Uh, it's only a slight departure from Augusta, but the, when I'm thinking about it, both the U.S. Open and the British Open honor second place finishers in in ceremony, and that is kind of weird to me. Like. And I'm only thinking about it because of how awkward the Butler Cabin interview was. Like having this guy that finished second be there and face questions like, "How are you going?" But but that was a Butler th- Cabin theme for actually quite a while. If you go back and you watch these Masters uh, YouTube videos, you've got Tom Watson in there, like talking about shots that he re- will remember. But he didn't win. Like, why do these people have to be there? I don't know who made that decision at some point, but they did probably for the TV purposes. And I don't think it's a benefit at all. It made for compelling television yeah. at the time. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. I guess if you you know, you know want to get an extra person in there for the broadcast, I, I don't know. But certainly, gosh, the I, the jacket being slipped on to Golby while Steven Senzo is just still hanging out there. You need to there. watch that it. That yeah. is brutal. Uh, but yeah, there's no way they in in 2018 they would get uh, they would convince a player to go in, to go in there and yeah. sit through that. Um, the the broadcast does finish with Frank Gifford doing a really weird sign off too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're putting the green From the jacket back of the room. <laughs> yeah, they're putting the green jacket on Golby, and eventually they 
it kind of he, Gifford like steps in from like the corner, he just pops into the picture. Yeah, it's like, like a dark. Muppet from yeah. the uh, balcony or something. <laughs> and it's yeah. like it's shorter than ten seconds. His sign off might be like five seconds long. And he's like, and that wraps another incredible week at Augusta National. Great job on this kind of the conclusion of another Masters golf tournament. A great golf tournament, as you've just witnessed, the Masters. And now back to Pat Summerall. Back to Pat Summerall. They must have had a hard out going to, yeah. I don't know, the news. Evening, evening news. And More important things. You know, with about 24 seconds left, and they had to get the sign off, send it back to Pat Summerall, and then get off the air. Yeah, that was a really hard, hard sign off. Um, I guess before you guys go, you guys have been, not only did you watch this, it's a, it's an hour and 17 minutes long. Um, but you've watched numerous others uh, of the past 50 years of final round broadcasts. For anyone listening, obviously the 86 Masters, the 97 Masters, 2005, 2001, these are memorable ones. But are, are any that you that stuck out to you guys that people should really tune in for? Or if you want to talk about the 86 Masters or like things that... Yeah, I mean, those are the obvious ones, and but they're cool to go back and watch. Like 97 is interesting because I don't... I don't really remember sitting through that final round. I was, uh, what, college, I guess. 97 is when Tiger, Tiger won. So I guess I would have been, I think it was senior senior year in college. I don't really remember sitting through that Sunday round. And I, I did flip through a little bit of that. And he Tiger didn't really have it as dominant as he was that week. Like, there were some moments uh, on the front nine anyway where he was kind of, like, had lost his swing for a little bit. Yeah. Probably because he he. He was just he was he up had by such nine. a big lead that it was yeah. kind of like he's just kind of whacking it around, and he knew he, he knew he had it had it won, but uh, he hit some really loose shots, which was interesting, given you know and he still won he blew away. He the still field. increased his lead that day. Yeah, that's the amazing part is it's, he's up by nine going amazing. in, um, he finishes up by twelve. So it's cool. It's just uh, you know, anytime you go back, even if it's even if it's a tournament you did watch and. 20 years later, 10 years later, even you go back and watch last year's telecast, you'll you'll see something that you didn't notice first time around. So it's it's cool. I watched uh, the end of 86 and the end of 97 and just the contrast of how guys played the 18th hole. Mm. You had Tiger freewheeling it off the tee, hits driver, just launching a it. flip wedge into the green. Greg Norman's in the last group in 1986. He needs a birdie to win. Par would tie Jack, Gosh. and he lays back with a three-wood, and he has almost 200 yards in, uh, and then hits a terrible second shot and ends up making a bogey. But I, I was struck by – I haven't uh, obviously haven't gone through many of these yet, but that those two moments, the way the 18th hole used to play, I was struck by so far. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I mean, that does remind me of one thing that we should note is Bob Golby just slap shots his tee shot on 18. There's so much room oh my gosh, in I 1968. There's so much room left. It's wide open. And he just hits this little flare job right in the <laughs> right woods, and it just pops out in the middle of the fairway. You know, and he has a long approach shot, and he hits a pretty good one to the back of the green. But that there were so many chances for DiVincenzo to win this coming in. Oh. But everything that happened after he made that birdie putt on 17 was just uh, bad. But I think <laughs> I don't, rather than a specific year, I think going back through these is a reminder that the reason Augusta is so fun and the Masters is so fun to watch is because the theater of that back nine, you know, there's tough holes, there's birdie holes, there's chances for eagle on 13 and 15 and there's so many chances for people to jump each other on the leaderboard for things to happen late, for bad holes to turn worse uh, and we we know it so well that it's sort of like, yeah. it's like watching, you know, a sitcom or something. it's like watching episodes of 
something that you know pretty well, but you know they but can still they, change. They turn out differently every time, uh, and it's just it's it was so much fun watching this. I suppose there's no more popular like course that at least back nine that uh, has holes like you said that allow for eagle birdie par bogey double bogey and thanks to Jordan Spieth quadruple bogey like I don't think any back nine makes any of those things as possible as Augusta National or threes that where you sign for a four <laughs> as the case may be yeah but yeah it's it's the best Dylan said it I mean it's just it's year in year out you know what you're gonna get we're all so familiar with the course that uh that's what separates it really from the other the other majors I think we can leave it at that shout out to my man Miller Barber stuck <laughs> in the top 10 with just one of the greatest occupational names I've ever heard yeah shout out to Miller Barber I guess uh, shout out to anybody else listening to the podcast at this point it's kind of late uh, but thank you and thank you to all three of you guys in here with me for not only uh, watching 75 minutes worth of a 50 year old broadcast uh, but for sharing your thoughts on it all this one was fun. I want to do more like this. Uh, we probably will. Rewatching old footage, talking about it, riffing on it. That's it for now. We will definitely have more Masters preview content coming on the podcast and on golf.com over the next week. Uh, and then, obviously, the Masters will be here. Until then, I'm your host, Sean Zach. <laughs>